I want to uh, start with a story that actually Pastor Tim read on our recent board retreat. And it's been around for a while, um, the videos on Facebook and things like that, but it's a great story, great illustration of kindness in action. So I'm going to read it to you guys. Um, it's about a taxi driver. Taxi driver was on his shift. It was a late shift, well after midnight in New York City. And he got a call to pick up someone from a rough part of the city. He drove up to a place and it, it looked pretty run down and he honked his horn and waited a bit and seriously thought about driving away, but not wanting to lose the fare and pushing aside the kind of annoyance that had come over him, he got out of his cab and decided to go up to the door and he knocked. And a faint female voice called out from inside, just a minute, and waiting several minutes more, the door opened before him to the sight of an elderly woman. She was outfitted in a fine red dress with her makeup and jewelry all in place. She had a, a fancy pillbox hat that sat atop her silvered hair. And the taxi driver looked beyond the woman and he saw that she had a very large bag that was stuffed to the gills and there was covers draping all of the furniture in the house. Upon seeing all this, the, the cab driver's demeanor immediately shifted from one of veiled annoyance to a genuine desire to help the woman. Would you mind carrying my bag to the car, she asked. And without hesitation, he scooped up her bag and put it in the trunk of his cab and then returned to the woman's side and held out his arm and, and she took it and they slowly made their way to the car. She thanked the man for his kindness multiple times. He smiled and told her, I just try to treat my passengers the way I'd like my mother to be treated. And she smiled back to him and said, oh, you're such a good boy, you're so kind. As she settled in, she reached forward and handed the man a piece of paper with an address written on it. That's where I'm going, she said. But please, don't, don't go on the highways. I'd like to take the route through the downtown. The taxi driver looked at the address and responded that, well, going through the downtown's the long way. Oh, I don't mind, she said. I'm in no hurry. I'm on my way to a hospice. The cabbie looked in the rearview mirror, and the woman's eyes were glistening. I don't have any family left, she continued. The doctor says, I don't have very long to live. Hearing this, the taxi driver's emotions shifted again as feelings of sadness and compassion washed over him. Almost reactively, he, he reached over for his meter and flipped the switch off, having no desire to charge the elderly woman for her final ride. What route would you like me to take, he asked. And for the next several hours, they drove through New York City. And she showed the cabbie the building where she had once worked as an elevator operator. They drove through the neighborhood where she and her husband had lived as newlyweds. They pulled up in front of a furniture warehouse that had once been a ballroom where she had gone dancing as a young girl. 
Sometimes she'd ask the cabbie to slow in front of a particular building and would just stare into the darkness, saying nothing at all, lost in thought. Eventually, as the first light of dawn began to crest the horizon, she announced that she was tired and was ready to go to her final stop. Silently, they drove to the hospice. When they arrived, two orderlies were there waiting, expecting her. As they took her bag and helped her into a wheelchair, she turned and asked the cabbie how much the fare was. Free of charge, ma'am, came his slow and kind of broken reply as he tried his best to smile at her. But you've got to make a living, young man, she responded. Oh, there'll be another passenger soon enough. And then almost without thinking, the taxi driver bent over and gave her a big hug. And she held on very tightly as she whispered to him, you've given an old woman a little joy tonight. Thank you so much for your kindness. He squeezed her hand and then walked to his car in the dim morning light as the sound of the hospice door shutting echoed behind him. He didn't pick up any more passengers that shift, just kind of driving aimlessly in thought. What if that woman had gotten an angry driver, one who was impatient? What if I had honked and then driven away? As his shift ended and he drove home, one thought pervaded his mind. I don't think I've ever done anything more important in my entire life. Now, that's a very touching and beautiful story of kindness and action. And it's my hope that as we study the kindness of the fruit of the Spirit, we'll see that this story gives us a beautiful partial picture of kindness. It's not complete. It's, it's amazing. It's glorious. It's something that we can be moved by, but it's incomplete. And that through the power of the Holy Spirit, we all can see what a full picture of kindness is and by the grace of God walk in that power so that we can be so much more than anything the world can be. Amen? So as you turn to me with me in Galatians 5, we're going to quickly read through the fruit of the Spirit, which I would encourage you, I would challenge you, memorize these verses, Ephesians 5, and 23, just as a way to kind of remind yourself. Uh, Galatians 5, and 23. I think I said Ephesians. Galatians. Galatians 5, and 23. As you turn to Galatians 5, I'm going to be praying. Father, come before you and we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. We thank you most of all for your son Jesus and for your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that you would speak through me today. That your words, your encouragement, your truth would speak to our hearts and would move us, Lord, draw us closer to you, to rely on you more, to walk in your kindness, that we may reflect that to others. Lord, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Galatians 5, and 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, 
kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now, as with all of these virtues of the fruit of the Spirit, there's, there's great depth to what Scripture means by kindness. And it's kind of hard to preach a sermon on just one word, but thankfully this one word has many layers of meaning to it. So there's really no outline to this sermon. It's more of an exploration of each of these layers of kindness and then asking the Spirit of God to show us where we can grow, how they can be applied to our lives. Kindness is one of the attributes of God. He is a kind, good God, and it's on display throughout Scripture. And it's the attribute of God that is often appealed to as the basis for forgiveness and mercy, for dealing graciously and generously with others. James Montgomery Boyce writes that kindness is the divine quality out of which God acts toward men. It's what the Old Testament means when it declares that God is good, as it so frequently does. The Christian is to show kindness by behaving toward others as God has behaved toward him. Now, by way of example of what he's referencing, you see David appealing to the Lord in Psalm 25 on the basis of his kindness. King David writes, Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me for the sake of your kindness, O Lord. Kind and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. And Jesus taught in Luke chapter 6, But love your enemies, do good, lend expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Kindness is who our God is. It, it, it is part of what He does towards us on a daily basis. But as we can see here, there's, there's multiple layers to this kindness. So we're going to peel back each of these layers, this sort of onion of kindness, and we're going to look at five, five layers to the depths of kindness. And it's important before we dive into these five layers that we see that there are two directions that these layers move. The world starts at layer one, the outside layer, and moves inward as deep as it can. But God, He starts at the most inner layer, the core layer, and He, through the power of the Spirit, moves outward in us. It's a very important distinction as to how kindness moves. Now, we're going to start in explaining these five layers from the outside and work in, but throughout the sermon, I want us to be thinking of it in those two directional terms. It's very important for us. So, the Greek word for kindness on its most surface level refers to a polite and mellow disposition. Kind of about your disposition. 
It refers to someone who, who doesn't have rough edges and is generally kind of pleasant to deal with. People with a kind disposition make others around them feel comfortable and safe. They're fun to be around. You just are at ease. And this layer of kindness is contrasted with someone who's very harsh and biting, bad-tempered and moody. You don't know what you're going to get when you're with them. Eh, might get the good Matthew, might get the bad Matthew, right? Especially when you're on prednisone. I mean, by way of example, how many of you have seen The Christmas Carol, right? Ebenezer Scrooge, we know that guy, right? So we have Ebenezer Scrooge before he met all of those ghosts, especially the ghost of Christmas future. And he was, one might say, a meanie, right? He was ball humbug and all of that. And then you have Ebenezer Scrooge after he met the ghost of Christmas past, present, and future. And the guy was like, just giving everyone a hug, right? He, he was just exuding kindness and, and hospitality and, and just polite gentility. This is kind of the surface level of kindness that we're looking at here. That, that just polite disposition. And the next layer of kindness we move to is more than just an outward disposition toward others, it, it actually begins to manifest itself in kind action. So we go from disposition, layer in, to action. On this level, kindness looks like generosity and, and service toward others. Kindness here is, is a helpful hand or a thoughtful gift. It's, it's expressed in just benevolent action. Then the third layer of kindness, as we kind of peel back those layers of our onion, moves beyond disposition and action and turns to our emotion. This layer of kindness is manifested through compassion and genuine caring for others. It's the desire to respond to a person's needs, not just because you want to kind of put on a, a facade of politeness or because you just want to help, but because you genuinely feel for someone out of the emotional depths of kindness within you. You see that person's situation and you are moved in sympathy and compassion for them. So layer one is a polite disposition. Layer two is generous and helpful action. Layer three is compassionate emotion. And now we come to layer four of kindness and are almost at the most core level. On layer four, we begin to deal with the inner convictions of the heart of kindness. And we see that the convictions of the heart rooted in one form of truth or another should be producing in the kind person mercy and grace toward others. And this is different than any of the other three. This is a genuine mercy and grace. It's 
the conviction of the kind-hearted person to extend mercy and grace to others regardless of what they deserve. So it's more than just an emotional response. It's I am determined because of the mercy and grace that my God has shown me and continues to show me every day. The conviction in that truth, that experiential truth, that I will extend that mercy and grace to others. And this kindness is on display, especially when we run into people who are at best difficult to deal with, and at worst are our outright enemies. Yet by the grace of God, we continue to extend every layer of kindness, but especially mercy and grace towards them as the Spirit of God is working within us, reminding us of the kindness, mercy, grace, forgiveness that we get from our God on a daily basis. So the fourth layer is the layer of conviction. Because of the truth, the convictions of my heart, and the truth that I know, I'm able to extend that to others. And this brings us to the final and most core layer of kindness. And this is the layer of devotion. Who am I really devoted to? That we see that when we are devoted to the Lord and submitted to Him above all else, we'll be able to selflessly put others first in any and all situations. Kindness that's rooted in our devotion to Christ is enabled by the Holy Spirit to selflessly love all those around us. Really, if you want to get to the core the spiritual core of kindness, then that is selflessness. The most inner meaning of this fruit of the Spirit is selflessness that is rooted in our devotion and our submission to our God. Now, it's very important that we understand something about these layers of kindness. Remember the directional piece, right? God starts with devotion and works outward, The world starts with the disposition and tries to get inward. And because of that, the people of this world who are operating apart from the Spirit of God at their absolute best are only really able to get to that third layer of kindness. At their best, getting to the compassion level. People who aren't submitted to Jesus, they can, they can have a polite disposition. They can be generous in serving in their actions. And they may even, may even show genuine emotional compassion towards others. And when we see that, by the way, we should praise God for that. Because though they might not be submitted to Christ, they are still image bearers of God. And the Holy Spirit is still drawing them, calling to them. And so this is a a way that that's reflected, so praise God for that. But at the world's best, layer three is as deep into kindness as people can go. Because people walking apart from the Spirit of God can't get to the conviction level of mercy and grace because they are not rooted in truth. And they certainly can't get to the devoted selflessness 
that describes the most central core of biblical kindness because who are they devoted to? Themselves, really, right? Think back, think back to the story of the taxi cab driver. Initially, he was annoyed, but he determined not to be unkind and drive away, instead going up to the door and knocking for his passenger. Here you can see polite and mellow disposition. When going up to the door and finding the elderly woman there, his annoyance completely disappeared, and he was moved to help the elderly woman as best he could, putting her bag in the car, taking her hand, leading her to the car. And when he heard her desire to drive through the city as her final farewell, he generously turned off the fare, even though it was probably going to be a big ticket. So we see his kind disposition moved to generous and serving action. And finally, as he dropped the woman off and was moved by the sight of her being escorted to the hospice by the orderlies, his emotions overcame him and he gave her a hug and then thought about her situation the rest of the day. And here we see genuine compassion towards this woman's situation. And it's no coincidence that this man concluded that this was the greatest thing he had ever done. But where the man fell short and where we all fall short apart from the Spirit of God is those fourth and fifth layers. There was, there was no mercy and grace extended in the actions of the cabbie. There was no truth shared. There was no selfless devotion on display. I mean, all he could answer her was, offer her was silence as they drove. What he did was beautiful and kind and good, but it was ultimately empty of spiritual depth because it didn't point to anything greater than the man himself. And that is crucial because true kindness will always point to our God. No one will ever look at you and say, man, you're really kind. They'll say, man, there's something about you. What is it? It's my God who moves in me and through me and transforms me. Now, here's the problem with all this. <laughs> Many people who profess to be followers of Jesus barely exhibit the first three layers of kindness, let alone the last two, which, again, flipping the directions, should be the first two, right? Which means that many times the self-proclaimed Christians of this world look no different than the people of this world, and that's a problem, that's a big problem. Worse yet, oftentimes Christians do poorer with the surface levels of kindness than those who don't profess Christ. I mean, we don't even get the disposition, action, and emotion piece down. I was talking with two people this week. It just happened this week, and I was just like, ah, I, I'm going to share that. 
two conversations with people who do not claim to be Christians. And they both told me situations where Christians were kind to them. The first was my buddy who was driving on the highway and he admitted straight out, I cut this guy off. I was, I totally didn't see him, cut him off. And immediately the guy began laying on his horn and then swerved into the lane after tailgating him, was yelling at the guy through the window, my buddy who's telling the story, blows past him, tries to cut him back off, right? And scoots on forward. And my, my buddy who's feeling bad about this stopped feeling bad about this about the time that he saw the little fish on the bumper of the car driving ahead of him, the little Jesus fish. The second story I heard this week was another guy also driving. Apparently driving brings out the best in us, followers of Jesus. And this was on a Sunday morning, and he was driving past a church that the services had just let out. And the parking lot for the congregation was on the opposite side of the road that went past the church. And so there was a number of people who had just come out of the service standing on the side of the road, and there was a crosswalk there that was marked. And again, he admitted, I did not yield to the people waiting to go across the crosswalk. I slowed down, but I just kind of went right through it. And he said, immediately, before I kind of even got there, the people who had just got out from church were yelling at me, giving me dirty looks, and... He said, I didn't feel so bad after that, after I drove on past them because of their, what he called, hypocritical reaction. Now, these are just two small examples of a lack of kindness. And I want us to see which layers of kindness were especially noticeable to these people. Obviously, layers one through three were completely absent, right? But the layers that these non-believers noticed the most, what they called hypocritical, was the fact that there was no mercy, there was no grace displayed, there was no forgiveness, there was no selflessness in how they responded. And that is what they were expecting from believers and that is what they reacted so harshly to, what they began to resent when they didn't receive it. They both knew that they had done wrong. They freely admitted that. And they felt bad about it until they saw the reaction of the Christians. Now look, <laughs> I get... Trust me, I get that we all have bad days and mess up. Can I get an amen for bad days, right? We, we're not perfect. We are all people who fall well short of the kindness of our God. So let me just say this. We're not, but it's also not an excuse. I am not, by the grace of God, permitted to have a bad day every day. Because when that's happening, it's not really a bad day. It's a bad heart.
And look, I'm not talking about going around and faking it all the time and pretending either. (laughs) You know, no one wants Christians to walk around with a smile on their face like everything's sunshine and rainbows all the time. You know, it's just great. I'm doing great. How are you doing today? Oh, let me help you with that door. Come on in. Come on in. Good to see you. Yeah. Let me give you a hug, brother. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, good. Yeah, good. Doing well. Yeah. Amen. Let's go up and worship Jesus. Yeah. Right? There's no depth to that. We have bad days. That facade never ends well. But the key, the key that the Spirit of God is moving, what, what the Lord wants us to see, what Paul is writing about here, is that the more we walk, remember Galatians 5.16, walking by the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, being, being filled by the Spirit, Ephesians 5.18, the more that we are, we are led by the Spirit of God, the more that we will be enabled to live out all of this fruit of the Spirit, including kindness. The more that we walk with the Spirit of God, the more that we'll experience the love, joy, and peace of our God, right? The vertical, upward-facing fruit, which will move in us as we also experience the patience, kindness, and goodness of our God that we can extend towards others, right? The outward-facing fruit, even as he produces all of his faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control in us, which is that inward fruit where we see that inside. There's each of these three couplets of fruit have different directions. They all kind of flow into each other. But the more that we walk with that with our God, the more that he will overcome the bad parts of our heart, which we learned at the beginning of this series is called our flesh right? That peace that battles against God. Our job is not to be kind in and of ourselves. God doesn't say, hey, Christian, go and be kind. We're not called to manifest kindness or joy or self-control through some strength of our own. Our calling, what God calls us to do, what he commands us to do is to press more deeply into him, into our submission and our devotion to him, and to experience the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control of our God. And the more that we experience that from him, the more the Spirit of God will transform us with it that we can extend it out to others. Because the reality is that no one can give away what they don't possess. No one can give away what they don't possess. If you haven't received the kindness of our God, then you can't give godly kindness to others. At best, we'll be able to get to that third emotional layer and more than likely, we'll struggle with even getting there. 
The disciple of Jesus is able to show genuine mercy and grace to others and to live an increasingly selfless life, forgiving, helping, sharing, sympathizing, because they have received all of those things from Jesus Christ and continue to receive that on a daily basis. That's again what it means to walk by the Spirit. It means that we're so present and filled by the Spirit of God every day and we are walking in the riches we have in our King that we're able to overflow them to others and be transformed more and more into what we're constantly receiving. Now, I've said that about five different ways now. It's a little bit redundant. But that is the, that is the key of this. It's not about going from here and saying, I've got to be more kind. I hope none of us are taking that away. Our conviction as we go from here should be, I need more of Jesus. I want to experience more of his kindness. I want to see myself more clearly. And let me just tell you, Pastor Tim alluded to this in his little opening. I'm terrible at kindness. I feel like, I mean, I'm not good at a lot of the fruit of the Spirit. But kindness in particular, I just like, I, I mean, I knew what the Lord was doing. Immediately, as soon as we kind of looked at the schedule and okay, this is all this week and I'm doing a wedding here. and So, so Matthew, kindness. Like, <laughs> that's funny. Lord, Hmm. And the Lord's like, yeah, look at that. What a coincidence, Matthew. <laughs> you got kindness. You get to study that for like a month. Actually take longer with it. Just dive in, right? And the more I have studied kindness and understand the layers of it, the more I see how far I still have to go. <laughs> so just take, I'm just, that's me. Mr. Mr. Kindness. But why? Why do I have so far to go? Let's just be honest for a second here, right? Because I'm selfish. That's really what it comes down to. If I'm honest with myself, because I've got to be honest with myself first, I am a really selfish person. I blame my mom. <laughs> Actually, I blame my dad. Which is just a cop-out. That's just me being selfish again because it's in here. It's not their fault at all. It's my own heart and my wife's fault. And no, you, it's all selfishness. And the enemy of kindness, we have to see this, the enemy of kindness is selfishness. Someone who is selfish cannot get very deep into the layers of kindness because they cannot submit to our God. Because it's all about them. Their pride keeps them selfish, which keeps them unsubmitted, not pursuing, not devoting themselves to Jesus, and therefore, it's just a surface-level display of any of this fruit. The heart of selfishness is the quickest way to derail kindness 
And, and if you seek to grow in kindness, like I do by the grace of God, there's, there's two things. There's really only two things that need to be done. And you could figure them out by now, what they are. It's not hard. Number one, ask the Lord to kill your selfishness. Lord, put it to death. Whatever that looks like, whatever it needs to be. That's been my prayer. Whatever that takes, if I'm serious about my walk with God, right, about being devoted to him, that has to be my prayer. Otherwise, I'm just fooling myself. But it can't just be, Lord, put this to death within me. If it's just that, it's incomplete. The prayer has to be, Lord, put this to death in me. And number two, let me receive more and more of your kindness. Let me receive more and more of your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness and your love. Help me to see myself truly as I am. That my pride would not distort my picture of me. So that I would see the kindness that you give me every day. You show me a person who's unkind at any level, and I'll show you a person who's absorbed with themselves, even in those moments when they're seemingly putting on the facade of kindness. But the more I am devoting myself to pursuing God's path instead of my path, the more I will experience God's kindness, the more my selfishness will be put to death. That's why Romans 2.4 says, do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? The more we see God's kindness, the more that we are devoted to him selflessly, the more we will be able to repent of our selfishness and extend kindness to others. John MacArthur writes, our salvation from sin and lostness and death issued wholly from God's kindness, his loving, benevolent, and entirely gracious concern to draw us to himself and redeem us from sin forever. What, what he's driving at there, what we can in one sense say is that kindness really is the first aspect of God's character that people experience on their journey of salvation. His kindness, his, his, which issues forth from his love, but that's why love is in the beginning. Anyway, but kindness, they experience that. They begin to see that God isn't giving them what they deserve. And in fact, he actually does the opposite and gives them something they don't deserve. He gives them forgiveness. He gives them hope and truth and transformation through Jesus Christ. This is why it's only a disciple of Jesus who can move with true conviction of mercy and grace with selfless devotion because only God can reveal what that actually looks like and only the Spirit of God can produce that within us. In Scripture, one of the most beautiful illustrations of the fourth and fifth layer, the, the core layers of kindness, is actually, I think, King David and his treatment of Mephibosheth. Now, remember King David? Psalm 25, who appealed to God's kindness for forgiveness, remember that? For mercy and grace for his own sin. Years later, in 2 Samuel chapter 9, it's a short chapter, I encourage you to read it, after Saul had tried to kill David over years and years and years, David assumes the throne of Israel, and Scripture records David 
asking a question. He says, is there not still someone of the house of Saul, the guy who is trying to kill him, that I may show the kindness of God to him? David's desire was to show the kindness of God to King Saul's family because of the mercy and grace that God had shown David. In David's devotion to God, he desired to bring glory to God more than he desired to satisfy his own selfishness. And that's the key shift that the Spirit of God will move within us, that we desire to satisfy and bring glory to our God more than we desire to satisfy and bring glory to ourselves. And if you know the story, Mephibosheth was the one who was chosen. He was lame in both feet, completely unable to do anything for himself. Had a death sentence on him because he was part of Saul's family. But David acted on the basis of kindness, seeking out Mephibosheth, assuring him he had nothing to fear, inviting him to live in the king's palace as part of the king's family to eat the king's table at the king's table like one of the king's sons. And this is the depth of kindness that we as followers of Jesus are called to. Because the reality is that every single one of us is just like that old frail woman on her way to die. But instead of a taxi cab driver coming to pick us up and take us to hospice, we have Jesus who invites us into his house, makes us part of his family, and heals all of our wounds. We don't have to fear death because we have an assurance, a confidence of our eternal place in the family of God. By God's grace, grace through faith, we have become sons and daughters of the king and can eat at the t- king's table. I mean, that is kindness at its best. Jesus died so that we can live and he picks us up and leads us on an amazing journey where we don't need to linger in the depths of our past, but instead can be filled with the Holy Spirit that we may be propelled forward into the depths of him. As we go from here, let's remember that our God shows us kindness every day to ask him to kill our selfishness, that we may be fully devoted to him, selflessly setting ourselves aside in the conviction of truth, that we may extend mercy and grace and forgiveness to all those around us, compassionately caring and empathizing with the brokenness of this world, generously serving and giving of ourselves, always gentle and pleasant to deal with, that the world may look at us And always see the depths of kindness, the kindness of God on display to his glory alone. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.